Lee Arnold here, welcoming you once again to our podcast of Country Music Conversations. And our guest this week is the dynamic Tanya Tucker. Singer, songwriter, barrel racer, outlaw, and child prodigy, all wrapped up into one. But before we start this conversation, here are a few words from our sponsor. Country Music Conversations with Lee Arnold's podcast is made possible by our sponsor, MarketSmith, Inc., the digital media agency that's been growing brands like Toomey, Shark Ninja, New Jersey Lottery, PSE&G, Blue Mercury Cosmetics, and Dick Sporting Goods. You know what makes this agency so good at what they do? Because simply being a marketing agency is no longer enough. Solution-based, problem-solving, and ever-evolving They create enduring value for DTC and B2B brands by opening up and growing marketing channels. Their patented AI offerings, informed by human intelligence, allow them to act with agility and intellect. I was speaking with the CEO not too long ago, and she was saying they take on clients who know who they are, who want to grow, and clients that know what they want. These big brands choose MarketSmith because they want to merge with a partner who'll make them exceptional and an agency that will grow their revenue. Digital marketing is not easy, but MarketSmith Inc. knows when to make the media dollars work hard for their clients. You have a brand you want to grow? Well, contact MarketSmith.com and tell them Lee Arnold sent you. Born and raised in Texas, at the age of eight, she told her father, Bo, that she wanted to be a country singer. The family moved to Arizona and then Utah, and a demo tape Tanya made was sent to Billy Sherrill at Columbia Records. Billy signed her immediately. She had her first hit at 13 years old with Delta Dawn, a song she heard Bette Midler sing on The Tonight Show. It was an instant success and became her career song. Over the succeeding decades, Tanya became one of the few child stars to mature into adulthood without losing her audience. And during her career, she had an endless string of top 10 and top 40 hits. In 1975, she signed with MCA Records, where she had a string of hits which included San Antonio Stroll and It's a Cowboy's Love a Night and other great songs. In 1978, she decided to change her image and cross over to rock with her TNT album and the big hit, Texas When I Die. She even moved to Los Angeles, where she led a wild life of drinking, drugs, and a lengthy affair with Glenn Campbell. After the breakup with Glenn, Tanya ended up at the Betty Ford Clinic and then moved back to Nashville. In 1986, she was signed to Capitol Records, and had great success at the label with her hits produced by Jerry Crutchfield, who became a very close friend. She remained with Capitol through the 90s. Perhaps the biggest influence in her life was Elvis Presley, so much so that she named her first daughter Presley. Although never married, she has two other children, a son, Grayson, and another daughter, Lila LaCosta. Speaking of which, her sister LaCosta was a singer as well, and enjoyed some success at Capitol Records. Tanya is a female Texas tornado. 
She knows what she wants and knows how to get it. She's strong, street smart, blunt, and honest. She's never at a loss for words. She's had many ups and downs in her career, but she's managed to beat the odds and reinvent herself time after time. Now, in her 60s, she's still performing and recording thanks to Brandy Carlisle and Shooter Jennings. Brandy wrote an entire album for her hero based on Tanya's life and has had the greatest comeback in country music history. Brandy and Tanya appear together in Tanya's stage show. Turning back the pages of time, this conversation with Tanya took place around her 30th birthday when she was pregnant with her daughter Presley. We got her thoughts on many subjects, including her sacrifices growing up, her wildlife in L.A., the tabloids, and much more. Here now is our conversation with Tanya Tucker. It's always nice to catch up with old friends, and in this, I, I don't like to use the word old, um, um, someone I've known a little bit. Yeah. Tanya Tucker's with us in New York. Hi, Tanya. It's great to see you, Lee. Good to see you. You are looking absolutely superb. I've well, never seen you blossom so beautiful in my life. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I've... Uh, Really been uh, feeling very good, and uh, I think I, I think it's that spring fever I've got. Must be a little bit more than spring fever <laughs> <laughs> from the where I stand. <laughs> yeah, it may be. <laughs> you are, as they say, with child. You're yeah. about to become a mommy. Yes, I'm really excited about it, and uh, it should be in July or first of August, and um, I just gonna it's gonna be a totally different experience for me. What can I say? It's um, uh, something I've never done before, so. We'll see how it goes. You've always been fond of children. Your sister LaCosta is sitting here, and yes. uh, I know you're always fond of your... You have a, a nephew and a niece, don't you? Yes, LaCosta has two children that are just beautiful. Then my brother, Don, he has uh, three children. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I just love them to death. I really do. The thing that comes to my mind, how is this going to affect your career? You've been on a tremendous role and a renaissance in your career, and all of a sudden now you're going to have a baby. Well, I, I, I wondered that same thing, actually. Uh, and I was a little, um, how would you say, uh, excited or, uh, you know, I just didn't know quite what it was going to do to do for do to my career. Um, it's awfully time consuming and, and things like that. All the responsibilities that come along with it. But uh, the word I hear is it's going to be great for me. You know, everybody's telling me that uh, it's probably the best thing that could happen to me right now. Well, most they're all very excited. I mean, you know, so. Well, it's nothing new. Most most people that are in the business that have children take them on the road. Well, that's what I'll do. I mean, I, I uh, if I didn't do that, I'd never see the kid, you know. But um, everybody just seems so supportive and, and just really, they were more excited about it than me at first. I was uh, a little hesitant about it. But now I'm getting excited. That's wonderful. It can be a big change for you. Yeah, well, that's one thing, too, that I, uh, you know, I'm apprehensive about. I don't know what that means exactly. So I'll just have to find out. You're now, as we speak, 30 years old. Just celebrated your big 30th birthday. Yes, 30, big, the big 3 -oh. And it was a very wonderful celebration. I had a lot of my friends and my family at the birthday party in Nashville. And it was, of course, during the CMA week. And it, it's, it's, been a, it's been a great, um, you know, I've heard a lot of people say, oh, it's the worst birthday. It's been a great uh, birthday for me, really. They say 30 is an age of maturity. Yeah. Well, I think probably so. Uh, if not matured by then, 
um, something's wrong. <laughs> but I mean, mature, but not. Um, I'm still a lot of fun, you know. I'm 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 still as colorful as I always was. They say, you know, they used to say, Tanya, don't trust anyone over thirty. You probably said that yourself. <laughs> yeah, I probably have. <laughs> But uh, I'm really, I'm like I said, like I said, I'm really uh, enjoying uh, adulthood, so to speak. You've had a pretty wild and colorful life. Yes, I have. I really have. Um, I've had a lot of wonderful opportunities, and I've uh, been given a lot of wonderful blessings. I've been blessed a lot throughout my career, not only with uh, my uh, my uh, uh, vocal musical career, but just meeting people and uh, some of the friends that I've, uh, like yourself, that you know, that I've met over the years, that really has blossomed into great friendships, and I'm really, I'm really um, thankful for that. There's a lot of things that I've been really blessed with, and uh, of course, that's a lot of a great family, and and I'm now with a super record company, and and of course, I'm with Jerry Crutchfield, my producer, who's we've been working together for over what we've known each other for over twelve years now. And, you know, that's really, it's, a, it's coming to that seasoned kind of um, relationships. Now, if I could just find a, a, a seasonable type uh, husband, you know, that would be that. <laughs> All, it's or at least a- someone that has a possibility of being. <laughs> but, you know, that's something I never really think about. I joke about it, you know, because it really is a joke. But because I'm too busy. But... Um, you know, it's very difficult in this business to really meet people uh, as far as meeting a, 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 the right kind of person. Well, the right person, to, the, the, the marrying kind of person. I mean, I meet all sorts of people all the time, but it's uh, not easy to meet someone that you know, you're hold a future, <laughs> you know, with. But, um, you know, I really am too busy just to really enjoy my career. There's been many sides to you, and people only really, in one sense, or even some friends only see one side of Tanya. Well, that's true. You know, I think my friends uh, probably see a little more than my, maybe the public does because they're they have a one one sided view of me through the press, and sometimes that's not good. But um, you know, my friends and family know my, my my family, of course, knows me very well, and they know all these sides to myself: the one that likes to cook, the one that likes to go out and bowl, the one that enjoys riding horses, the one that uh, enjoys. Uh, uh, doing my little act on stage you know there are a lot of a lot of different sides to me there are a lot of important people in your life i'd like to just touch on a couple of them a couple of names come to mind mm-hmm. bo tucker yeah. your father mm-hmm. who probably is probably the most special person in your life yeah uh, and always will be yeah he's very special and um he just had his 61st birthday and we had a big surprise party for him and Bonnie, who was with Capital, she helped me put the whole thing together, and Jerry Crutchfield, and and uh, it was a big surprise for him. And he's never had a birthday party, and I presented him with a brand new Chevy truck, oh. and he was ecstatic. Uh, but I, it's it's nothing. Uh, it's uh, in no way could I repay the the uh, wonderful things that he's uh, given to me, and the things that he has uh, sacrificed so that. You know, I could have my career. He's very, very special. There we go. We're talking about special people in your life, Tanya. Another name that crops up in my mind is probably the first person. You've had some producers in your time. But the one who really started it all was, who will always be 
near and dear in your heart is Billy Sherl over at Columbia from the Delta Dawn days. Special guy. Oh, he, he certainly is. And a rare, a rare person. Uh, he really um, is the one that uh, gave me my first chance and took the chance. I mean, because I was only 13 at that time and and he, he had to see talent through, he had to wade through a lot of, you know, uh, what would you say, <laughs> trash to get to see the talent. And uh, uh, he and my dad seemed to be the only ones that could do that at that time. And, uh, uh, you know, he also, we had a wonderful working relationship too. We worked so well together. A lot of hits. Yeah, and plus he trusted me. He believed in me. He, he, um, he had faith in me, and uh, he listened to me, mm-hmm. even at that age, which was when I turned down Happiest Girl, and you know, I was like, you know, it's like Tanya's got a choice. What is this? You know? But he didn't think that way. That's funny. You, like you, yeah. Yeah. you you were pitched the Happiest Girl in the whole USA when you were thirteen, and you told them in a room full of people, including yeah. Billy Shirley, producer, I don't want to do the song. Yeah, I just didn't feel like it was my kind of song, and uh, and uh, I'm glad it turned out the way it did. It was a great hit for Donna Fargo, and. I had my hit, and uh, everybody's happy. Another name that's important, of course, your current producer, who's been really responsible. You go way back, as we mentioned before, 12, 15 years. But really, you really came into your own with Jerry Crutchfield, these past three albums with Capitol Records. Mm -hmm. The the magic is there. Well, he's just a very special person, too. And, uh, you know, a couple times we parted ways uh, for different reasons. But uh, now we're uh, just really... uh, I'm very pleased at our, if with, with our relationship, and we just know each other so well. We know how we we think, how each other thinks, and um, you know, it's just we're 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 friends above all, you know. Uh, and then we're partners, and um, I think we make a great team. I really do. You discuss music thoroughly, I assume. When you get songs pitched to you, songs that are potential songs for your next album, Jerry and you both make that decision. Yes, we do. We we uh, and that's what makes for a good relationship, working relationship, is if you can't agree on those things, you you better work with someone else. And sometimes, if I don't really care for a song as much as he does, I'll have to. I have. I trust him enough to go ahead and do it. And then most of the time, it turns out that that I, I you know, eventually I like the song and I turn my, it turns my head around. And several times I've done the same thing with him. So we have a, a great uh, admiration for each other and respect, and he's my biggest fan. And I'm very happy I wouldn't want anybody else. Starting out as a child star as you did when you were 13 years old, uh, a lot of sacrifices were made yeah. along the way. Do you feel you missed out on a lot as far as growing up? Well, there were sacrifices, yes, but I really didn't pay much attention to that. I didn't feel like they were sacrifices at that time, really. Every now and then, maybe I'd miss a school dance or something, and that'd break my heart for a little while. But I've been rewarded so many other things uh, that uh, I've been compensated well, and I've gotten to do a lot of things that I ordinarily wouldn't have gotten to do. And so I think I've been blessed as far as that goes. I've learned so much and met so many people and been so many places. And um, it's just uh, phenomenal. You were really, you you were a child living in an adult's world. Well, yes, but at the same time, I could be a child too. I mean, I could be, I I, I was a 13 year old. I wasn't one of these. I mean, everybody thought I was older, but I I don't think I was, um, I think I looked a lot older. 
you know, I keep hoping that's change, that's going to change now. <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, my dad was, I was a child that was paid a lot of attention and, and had a lot of attention. And my family, um, we all uh, were supportive to each other. So everything we did, we did together. And, and um, uh, that sort of uh, comes out now in me. You know, now that I'm going to have a child, I'm very um, uh, much uh, aware of how much attention has to be have to be spent with a child, how much time. And if 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 anything, that's the greatest gift of all. I think is your time, and that's what I had plenty of when I was growing up. Is my my parents' love and attention, and, and uh, my dad taught me things so early much earlier than most kids. I was driving when I was four, and uh, of course, don't let the highway patrol hear that, but I mean, I wouldn't suggest that, but I mean, I did a lot of things earlier, at an earlier age. Precocious, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we've known each other a long time, mm -hmm. and we can be friends, and it's, it's no secret that every time I picked up a tabloid or anybody went to yeah. the supermarket, there was your picture, <laughs> yeah. romantically involved with Don Johnson, yeah. for a long time, everybody knows about your romantic involvement with Glenn Campbell. Yeah. What good came out of all this? Anything, looking back on that relationship? Well, gosh, uh, I'm sure a lot of good things uh, come out of it. At least I survived it. And, uh, um, you know, well, it was, you know, I experienced true love, that's for sure. Was that really your first true love? Yeah, I think so. And uh, and has been my last, really. And, um, um, you know, it, it's taught me a lot of things. I mean, I look back on the relationship and I go, I look back on the relationship and, and see, um, how I would have been probably handled a lot of things differently mm -hmm. than I did then. Of course, I'm sure everybody can say that when they look back, hindsight is 2020, you know, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I was very, very young, and um, he was twice my age, and um, there was a lot of differences there. Uh, plus, uh, I was just coming up with my career, and he'd kind of sort of just evened off. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things. But I, the main thing is that I'm alive and well and um, uh, living in Nashville. <laughs> and, I'm, my, and my career has survived and doing well. You had your share of triumphs mm -hmm. and disappointments mm -hmm. and even fell prey to what everybody in the business yeah. has fallen prey to 90% of the people who are in it. Yeah, I think that's exactly. a fair picture. I mean, the Betty Ford Center is becoming, uh, you know, the I end mean, thing to do. It's like if you, if you haven't gone there, you haven't lived, you know? Well, it, it, that was another experience too. I mean, it, each little phase of my life has been a real experience for me. And, uh, I wasn't one, it wasn't one of the more fonder experiences, however, I wasn't real crazy about it, but I, I think that it's a good it's a good uh, thing, and uh, I know that a lot of people really really uh, that I, that that aren't there should be there, yeah. uh, and it, mostly I think there's a big a big thing uh, you know a, a big fear of the of, of going to a place like that. It's a it's very it's very frightening, uh, but once you come out of it, you feel stronger. You feel you can face things a lot better. I don't know why. I don't. I think that's it's a head thing. And plus, you you have most people four weeks. I had six weeks, but I was in for a hard time. 
But um, six weeks of just being totally away from everyone else and away from everything you are. And then that way you take a bigger, deeper, harder look at, at what you really are and what you what you should do with your life. So, it, you know, it was not a pleasant experience, but it was um, one that I learned from. And if you can learn from your experiences, that's that's all you can ask for. Is that whole period of time before that kind of like a blur? No, not really. Um, I had a w wonderful times. So I was, you know, that's one. But of you the, didn't have a problem. Of, that's no. That's one of the things they wanted. To, they wanted to, to know what caused this. Right. Why was I this way? Why right. was I just such a terror? You know, right. and uh, it must have stemmed from childhood. But there's nothing in my past. No, right. they could not find a thing. So I said, "Hey, I just love to party." Just a wild child. I just, well, I'm a wild child, and I love to party. What can I say? And that's all that they uh, uh, found out, you know. Maybe one of the turning points, looking back in your career, and I'm, not, I'm playing psychiatrist yeah. now, or devil's advocate, Tanya, yeah. or, or friend, let's yeah. put it that way. Back in 78, you left Nashville and you went to Hollywood. Right. That had to have an effect. And you, 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 you tended to get away from country and go into the rock thing and try that. Well, I think that that, that, that was another thing. That was another experiment. And, uh, you know, you, I, I, I'm the kind of person that has to do that. I have to experiment. I have to go out and try different things because um, I get very stunted, you know. I get in a stunted, my, stunts my growth, and I feel like I'm not getting uh, all out of all, everything out of life that I should be getting. And uh, so I just go for it. But unfortunately, we went for it with the wrong people, mm -hmm. the wrong management, the wrong this, the wrong that. I mean, everything was just wrong. So it didn't work, but you know the album was my first gold album, and to me it was the the my least favorite album. Um, I just wasn't pleased with the whole the, the 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 memories of recording the album were not good. So you know when you think back on a something piece of work that you've done, and you really have enjoyed it, you really enjoyed doing it, and, and then it's successful. That's wonderful. But if you look back on it, and you, you remember, oh, what a grind it was, and you know how painful it was to go through, and and the people that I was working with were just not my kind of people. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, you have a tendency to, it's like, it's like almost like, <laughs> yeah, it's like um, meeting someone that you've always admired, an uh, uh, entertainer or a singer, and they're not nice, and, they're, and you're really uh, disappointed. You don't like their music anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, that's just the way that goes. You've been described as sexy most of the time. Most articles you read, and when people talk about Tanya, they talk about that sexy little country kitten. Yes. Do you like the reference? Well, I don't mind it. I'm. Um, I think that. Well, I do have a probably that persona when I'm on stage. You know, it's a, I'm a different person when I'm on the stage. Really. Um, Is it an alter ego? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. What does that mean? You always wanted to be Elvis Presley. Yeah, you yeah. Get the chance to do it. Well, I guess so. It's like it's like be, you, you're being another person uh, that you can be and get by with it and do that. That's what's so great about acting too is that you get to be all these different characters. But you know, a lot of people change into those characters. That's the problem sometimes. Before the Renaissance with Capital happened with your career, the past three albums you were mm -hmm. you were without a label, as yeah. they say in the business, mm -hmm. for about three years. Mm -hmm. Did that bother you? Well, no, no, no. It didn't bother me at all because I wasn't really looking. I mean, I was just, uh, I was really frustrated with the whole thing. And I'd been with a um, a label that I just, 
they didn't know what to do with me, and that's very frustrating. Uh, so I was real disillusioned with everybody, the whole thing. I just wanted to go, get out of here, you know. And management problems and, and relationship problems, you know, just come out of a breakup. And uh, I really, you know, I felt like my career was just sort of going out in every direction and not going on one, in one, on one train, on one track. I had all these trains going every which way, and, and none of them were, they were all, all in the tunnel, you know. And I wanted to come out of that tunnel and start uh, getting on one train and one track and go to one place. And that's what I finally decided to do, and that's when I started talking with Jerry Crutchfield. And I said, I, when I go with a record label, I want it to be the right one this time. I just, you know, I'm just, I'm just fed up with all these business people that don't know what to do with Tanya Tucker because sometimes – Sometimes it's a curse to have too much talent, you know, or not, not, not too much, not, 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 I'm not saying I have too much talent, but I have a lot of versatility and I, I can do a lot of things and, and, and sing a lot of different kinds of music. And when you have that, sometimes it's hard to market you. You know, if you're George Strait, someone that just, you know, someone that really, I use him as a, as an example because I think he's so great at what he does and, and he's uh, very specific about it. Everybody knows his limits, and he knows his limits, and uh, he knows what he is, and and how to how what radio stations play his record. I mean, you no, know, it's all very cut and dry. But with me, you know, you get you get people like me and, and, and artists like like myself, and people kind of go crazy sometimes. They don't know quite what to do with it. You know, who's had the most impact in your career? Well, I, on you. Well, personally, or personally, well, I'm I'm sure my dad probably, you know, my my family. What's the most satisfying moment in your career so far? And there's a lot to do yet. Has there been one magic yeah. moment? I don't know if I've ever been really satisfied. Uh, I guess meeting Elvis was probably uh, that would count as a very very satisfying moment in my life because it was like, oh, God, I did it! I finally met him, you know, and I loved him. Were you disappointed? No, gosh, no. God knew. I, he, I, he knew. I couldn't be disappointed. I, I would have died, you know, because I just depended on him being so wonderful, and he was. What did he say to you? Well, he was just wonderful. He just we talked about jewelry and records, and someone mentioned to him that he I used to I would imitate him on my shows. I said, yeah, but I got bored with that. <laughs> he, he did just like you. He just really? reared. He just reared back. Costa was with me, and he reared back and just big old beautiful smile of his he was just wonderful what's the most important thing in your life these days tanya well the most important thing of course uh you know it all goes into one ball of wax and that's my family and my career and uh my fans are very important to me um i think those are the main the main things uh you know it's very important i realize every day how important it is to have family you were once called, and you were always called the Texas Tornado. I remember yeah. that expression. Do you still have a hot temper? Well, Short no, fuse? I never really had a hot temper. I never really ever did. I don't know where that got started. But when I do, you know, I, I do. when I do get started, when you get me started, this, it's hard to stop. You know, it's like a locomotion. But I don't get that way very often. And But when I do, it's it's pretty, pretty rough. If you could have changed... Anything about your life up until now, what would it be? Um, 
That's a good question. One thing? Mm, I... Hard to think about. We'll come back. Well, I really can't. I can't think. I think probably the first thing that comes to my mind would be uh, not the move to California because that was just a, that's just another town. Um, but the people I got involved with, like that was probably I would I'd like to erase that. Yeah. Whose music knocks you out? Now? Well, um, let's see. I really love that Vern Gosden. You know, I'm just a big fan of his. I love that Chisel and Stone album. That's one of my favorite albums. Um, let's see who else. Uh, there's some. I think Michael. Um, no, he's he's not a, he's not a country singer. He's a rock singer, and uh, uh, I can't remember his last name. Let me think. Uh, okay. It's the guy that. Well, I actually. Uh, I just don't think it gets any better than Merle Haggard. Merle Haggard is is my hero, always has been, always will be. What song personifies what Tanya's all about that you sing? Well, uh, let's see. Um, I can't think of anyone in particular right now, but I, there is one that I've got coming out that definitely is definitely me. It's called This Heart Is Mine. And it's either going to be on the greatest hits album or on the next album that comes out, and uh, it really, it really speaks the truth about about me, way I feel right now. What do you think is the biggest misconception about you? Oh, the biggest misconception probably is that uh, you know I'm just crazy, you know, crazy wild all the time. Uh, I don't think people know that I'm in the kitchen cooking and. And doing little things like we had a Easter party. I had, we had a big Easter party, and the Costa went to Phoenix and with, uh, brought her two kids back. And uh, they'd been gone for about a week, and we were missing them pretty bad. And but they got home just on on, on Easter, and and I, I I'd planned a whole big Easter egg hunt, and we must have colored seven dozen eggs. And uh, you know, it's just so great doing those things for the kids when they really when they appreciate it, and they just love me. You know, they, I'm their aunt Tan. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think they see that side of me. They don't know that side of me. Because a lot of people go, uh, I'll be talking in a, in, a, in a dinner or something. And someone say, like Bonnie will mention something about me cooking, you know. And they go, people can't believe that I would cook. It's like, you know, if you're a singer, you automatically can't cook. But uh, they, they don't realize that I'd like to do those kind of things. Are you surprised by the fact that the second time around is even bigger than it was the first time around? Well, you know, I don't, I don't really consider it a second time around, really, because for some reason I never really, uh, I never thought of myself being out of the business. I just, I just wasn't recording for a few years, for a couple of years. You took a hiatus. Yeah, and, and it, it, it was like, I, I was born to do this. So I've, if, even if I retire, even if I don't record for another 10 years, it won't be like, I won't feel like I'm not in the music business. I, I'll always feel like I am. And it's really funny that, that I feel that way. Because, um, uh, you know, it's <laughs> it's something that I feel like I was put here to do. Between you and the fans, what do you want to project to them? Well, uh, I project as far as I'd like to project uh, the fact that I'm, I'm very th grateful for uh, their support. And um, 
I want to gather up as many of them fans as I can gather up. You don't have to worry about that. Yeah, I, I really want the more the merrier, as far as I'm concerned, and uh, uh, it it makes me able to uh, to give more and to do more things for people uh, when I have more support from people. We talked about your serious side when you're off the road. I know you still have the passion for cooking. You're yes. a great cook, and also, uh, yes. how about the horses? Well, my horses, I haven't. Um, in fact, I lost my horse on my on on Thanksgiving. I don't know uh, what happened to him, but we found him about five days after he'd already died, and we were thinking maybe somebody shot him, but that was very, 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 yeah, traumatic for me, and um, I think more so than many people thought. I was pretty close to this horse, and uh, I I definitely I definitely want to get back into the horse thing because that's really where my heart is, and I'm, I'm deciding now that, um, you know, at my age and... Uh, uh, you know, it's time to really start enjoying some of the fruits of my labor. Time to, yeah, to catch up. Yeah, because I just go, 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 and you never enjoy it. At one point in your career, you were had a bent towards songwriting with a little bit of success. I know you wrote a song yeah. for Johnny Cash that he recorded. You wrote another song for Hank Williams Jr. Right. that he didn't. Yeah, and also your, your song changes your career. Right, and I, I wrote another one that's probably going to be on my next album. Um, and... Um, I think songwriting is one of the most rewarding things you can do. It really is a wonderful, wonderful thing uh, to see something, to create something and see it grow. It's just amazing. How much of that 13-year-old child of Delta Dawn is still in Tanya Tucker today? Well, I think a lot of it, really. Yeah, I think uh, uh, I feel like, well, actually, sometimes I feel like it was a different person. Totally. You know, I hear I hear Delta Dawn on the radio and I go, God, you know, it's like it's another person. But there's, I'm still the same on me, basically. Yeah. Your biggest weakness? My biggest weakness? Used to be food, wasn't it? Well, that's that's pretty big weakness. Yeah, I'd say food. Um, gosh, what else? Uh, biggest weakness. Hmm. You don't have many if you can't think. <laughs> if you have to think about that hard, you don't have any love. <laughs> What do you look for in a guy? What's the perfect man as far as you're concerned? Well, I think the perfect man would be someone handsome. <laughs> Is that looks important? Yeah, Very look, important? I think looks are important. Not, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, what's good looking? Who knows? It all Good looks have, have to do with a lot of, of, of mannerisms and characteristics and the way a person acts. I mean, that's good looks. But he has to have nice hands and um, a nice derriere. And, uh, You're a butt person. Yeah, <laughs> but yes, <laughs> I very much so am. And but I think this person would have to be adventurous, very adventurous, a real, real chance taker, you know. And someone who you cannot manipulate. Someone, someone that un is not uh, going to be possessive of me too. That trusts me, because uh, I, you know, I'm very trustworthy. And so if I'm with someone, that's I'm with them, you know. So I, I've had a lot of men second guess that and that's when it's usually over if you had to have one word to describe yourself tanya what would it be um yeah giving i guess would be probably a good word giving to a fault maybe mm. Whatever that means. <laughs> well, well, giving can get you in a lot of trouble. Oh, give, giving can give you get you in a whole lot of trouble. Believe me, giving I'm giving out. <laughs> you know, I'm giving in. I'm giving up. Giving out. But uh, 
I'm uh, I'm always going to be a giving person, but also I think creative too. I think is a good word for me. What's your best quality? Uh, I think my best quality is my personality. You know, my sense of uh, other people's feelings. Okay, we'll talk about some tunes now, okay? And get done with the music. A little bit of, on, on each song, okay? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> right now you're enjoying big success with your current single called Call On Me. Mm -hmm. Oh, what a wonderful song. Is story behind it? Well, uh, actually, I don't, it's not a long story, but a friend of mine, who's was a very good friend of mine, wrote the song. His name is Gary Scruggs. And uh, I, I really think it'd be a great AT&T commercial. <laughs> hint, 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 hint. Hint, hint, yes. But it'd be better for him than me. I think you could do it justice. Yeah, I think it'd be great. And plus, it's, it's, a, it's a song that you can say to just about anybody, anybody that's a friend. I know you relate to lyrics and you relate to messages. And you really have to believe in a song when you're cutting it. Yeah. And when you have to perform it time and time on stage. What's the feeling you get when you do Highway Robbery, your recent hit? Well, I love it because I, I was just telling LaCosta earlier that that song is like a, uh, it's a fantasy song. Because I've always, I mean, I've been trying to write that dadgum song forever. Because, you know, you want to pull up to, a, you, every girl wants to pull up to a stoplight and see this gorgeous man over in a Ferrari or whatever and go, hi, you know. And then he says, would you like to go out? You know? And then you get married and then somebody asks, how'd you guys meet? Well, we met at a red light, you know. I mean, I think that is the, the, the totally romantic uh, fantasy story. And I'm just really proud that uh, someone put it down on paper and I got to sing it. Title cut of your album is uh, kind of a different song for you. A message song, strong enough to bend. Uh, what a beautiful message! And when you did it, I guess, I guess I had to hit you emotionally. Well, actually, you know, we were down in the Bahamas, and I just thought it was a good song, and I sang it. And of course, I was too sick to think about too much. But um, what really helped, I think, is when Beth uh, Nielsen came in and did the harmonies, and that really, really topped it off. It just um, put the cherry right on the hot top of the hot fudge Sunday, and I think that. Uh, it has a real strong message for a lot of people, especially people that have been, been married for years. And uh, they really, you see people out in the audience just kind of snuggle up to each other when I'm singing that song. It's nice to know that you've had friends in your career, but I guess songwriters are very special friends for you. And mm -hmm. a couple of them came into your life recently that had a lot to do with this. I think you feel they had a lot to do with your success. Paul yes. Davis, who's written quite a few for you, and also Paul Overstreet. Right. You did the great trio record with I Won't Take Less Than Your Love. Yeah, well, I feel like I was pr pretty much uh, the great discoverer of uh, Paul and Paul because uh, neither one of them had really had a lot of songs cut until I started recording uh, some of the stuff. And I feel like, uh, uh, you know, we became such wonderful friends. I mean, we truly are. I mean, we're always in touch, and uh, uh, if there's anything going on out there, of course, the first on my list. Uh, Paul called me uh, in Hawaii just uh, a, a month ago and was really excited to hear the word that uh, about my uh, my child, you know, to do. And uh, he said, I just wanted to hear it from you. Did he give you any advice? No, he just said he just couldn't wait till it got here, you know. He was just so excited, extremely excited. And I just can't wait to see the little rascal. <laughs> and, uh, of course, Paul Overstreet, uh, I saw him at my, uh, him and his wife were at my dad's birthday party. And, and they're just a really a blessing as friends, really are. You had a nice collaboration with Paul Davis and uh, Paul, Paul Overstreet, Overstreet. The, oh. One Love at a Time. 
Well, at One Love at a Time, they, they sang, and, and of course, they wrote. Just Another Love was a Paul Davis song, and they also, Paul sang on it with Vince Gill, and then I Won't Take Less Than Your Love, all three of us uh, had a record on, and that was just a wonderful, one, number one record, and we um, were up for a Grammy and all sorts of things. So it was really, and boy, talk about a statement song. I mean, ooh, that just that song just about covers it all. How about I'll Come Back as Another Woman? Well, I think that's a great song, too, because it just, uh, uh, it's one of those, I'm going to get you, buddy, you know? And I've You felt been, like that. I've never been, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never been one to um, to sing Poor Little Me songs. I'm like, I'm like uh, I like these kind of attitude songs. And that's def- definitely an attitude song. <laughs> I'm going to get you, Buster, you know? <laughs> you, re- you really can sink your teeth into that, can't yeah, you? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Definitely. How about it, uh, If It Don't Come Easy? Well, if it don't come easy, is another one of my theme songs. I mean, that's what, if anything, I could tell anyone. That's that's what it would be. Of course, they shouldn't. They better not listen to me. They may they may end up being an old maid, you know. But because uh, if it don't come easy, you know, it's not love. Let it go. Get it out of here. <laughs> one of the songs that started off the trilogy there was "Love Me Like You Used To." Oh yeah, well, I'd been singing that for two summers before I recorded it, and finally persuaded Jerry Crutchfield this has got to be done. And uh, he agreed. And, of course, when it happened, uh, Paul and I guess Paul and Paul sang with me on that. And, you know, it's just it's it's a great song. It really is. You went through a period when you did a lot of Texas material, mm-hmm. San Antonio Stroll yeah, and Texas When I Die. Now that promenade. Texas, right. Pick us promenade. Yeah. And the surprising thing about Texas When I Die, Tanya, at the time it came out, it was unusual for it to be hit because it was so darn long. Oh, it was forever. I had that same rock and roll producer out in L.A. on the TNT album. And it was the only song, that and maybe two others, that I wanted on the whole album, you know. Uh, and he finally gave in, and, and uh, but he made it so long. But everybody loved it. They just, in, in, you know, and it's amazing I mean, how country radio reacts. New York go crazy over that song. I know. Do that Texas song, you know. <laughs> and um, it really is. Costa sang back up on it. She came in, her and Jody Payne. Oh, wow. And... Uh, uh, with with Jody's with Willie, and uh, you know Jimmy Conn was singing. I mean, there was a lot of wild. I mean, that's another a- thing that's happened out of my career. Is I've got all these weird, strange ideas, and Crutchfield sort of just. Well, Jerry didn't do that song, but somehow I've been able to uh, to get them to to do these. Come, I've come up with these weird, strange ideas. Like I wanted Seals and Crofts on a song, right. so Jerry and I flew to L.A., grabbed up Seals and Crofts, went to the studio, and did it. And then, of course, they wanted me to do something. We became very dear friends. And then I did something on their album. But, you know, people in country music are going, what is she What is she doing? And I'd put pairs together like Barbara Fairchild and Larry Gatlin to do harmonies. And Jerry's, Jerry never second-guessed me. Charlie Daniels, I, did, I, I asked him to come in on a, a song called Ain't That a Shame, which is kind of wild to have a fiddle on. I said, let's put a fiddle on it. Nobody would ever think to do that. So Jerry has let me really, really experiment a lot, and that's what I really respect so much about him. He's really let me go. Let's go back to early Tanya Tucker. Two of their favorites. Well, I guess of all the songs in your career, the career song and the signature song will always be Delta Dawn. Oh, of course, and I'm very proud of that song. It's uh, uh, it's just a great story. I think a movie should be written on it someday, and uh, uh, I think it would be a great film. Uh, the words are just really incredible and people everybody loves that song i've never met anybody that hated delta dawn you'll never get tired of saying that never one. never uh-uh. 
What goes through your mind when you sing it today as opposed to when you were a kid, when you cut it at 13? I, re- I just enjoy singing it. I really do. I mean, especially when people put, start lighting lighters and the whole Coliseum is just I'm singing the song at the top of their lungs and sometimes so loud that I have to stop singing because I can't hear myself sing. And uh, the other day in Oklahoma City, it was just like after the song, it was like five minutes full standing ovation and people just going nuts. Costa, you were there, weren't you, for that? And it was just, it was, it was magical. David Allen Coe wrote a song for his brother's wedding, right. which you recorded, Would You Lay With Me in a Field of Stone. Right. Yeah, that was a, uh, that was pretty much a signature song, too, because at the time I was only 15. And I remember the one, number one radio station in Texas wouldn't play it because they thought it was too uh, risque. And then I went and played the Fort Worth uh, Fat Stock show, and they wouldn't let me sing it. And it was number one. I said, well, if I hadn't had to have the money so bad, I would never, I'd never done the show. I told them to say it a walking, but I needed the money, and I went ahead and did the show and left the song out, and people would be screaming it out in the audience. Would you lay with me? I go, no. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. What's your mama's name? It's got to be kind of a, a sentimental favorite very for much, you. Very much. Peanut Montgomery and Dallas Frazier are the writers on that, and Peanut Montgomery at that time, I think we were staying over at his house, and uh, he pitched me the song. And George Jones had recorded it already. And uh, I heard it, and I said, that's my song. I mean, that's that's me. It's got me all over it. And so, uh, and what a great what a great story. Have you ever had the feeling when you went in the studio, this is going to be a hit when you were cutting a tune, that there's no way anybody can ever stop this from going right to number oh, one? I usually feel that way about all the, all the things I cut, most of them. Some of them I haven't. And then, but... They've been hits anyway. What song surprised you most? Well, um, you know, they're, they're all a sort of a surprise. but That you figured it wouldn't be as big and turn out to be monstrous. Well, Just Another Love. That was probably a real surprise. I mean, everybody knew. Just everybody said, that's a hit record. That's and I thought, yeah, that's good. It's good. But it's still not one of my favorite songs that I've done. I mean, I love... To hear the record and everything. But, I, I, you know, it's, I don't know. I, you know, I, I think it's a great song and everything, but it's just not one of my favorites for some reason. We're sitting here, La Costa, your sister is sitting here, who we remember from the 70s right. with a great career of her own. Yeah, and well, she's about to do that again, hopefully. And that's what I was just going to ask you about. Why don't yeah. we ask La Costa? Yeah, well, why don't we? Come why over don't here. Come over here, <laughs> sister. Everybody loves her. La Costa, who is Tanya's sister. And I guess there couldn't be two closer sisters in the world. That's right. We are real close. It's a long time since we've seen you, Lacoste. I guess it was back in the in the mid seventies when you had my that train get song. Love, get on my love train and ride. <laughs> have you missed the business? You've you've been married. You had two lovely kids. I have missed it. You know, I kind of got out of it because of the, you know, wanted to start a family and everything. Mm-hmm. We moved to Phoenix and um, just kind of drifted away from it, but just kind of getting right back into it again. Real happy about that. You're going to get back into it, and Tanya and you, the one I think I can envision is a duet. Am okay. I wrong? Well, definitely, we'll do that. I mean, that's something that we, it's always opportunities going to be there. And uh, when, once we get her set straight in the water and get her with the right record label and the right producer like I've got, then there's no problem. Was there any sibling rivalry between you two? Because she hit it young, and she became very big, and then you had your success and then got married. Did you, was there any kind of jealousy involved in that? Or were you happy for Tanya's success? Oh, gosh, I've always no, been happy no. for her. 
I've just uh, always envied her in her in the songs that she always got. You know, I think she's got. So you got the better ones. I was lucky, and um, but you know, there wasn't any rivalry oh, at all. Never, never will be either. No, uh -uh. That's great. It's so good to see you, Lacoste. I want to wish you the best with your career. Thank you so well, much, look, Lee. And it was so wonderful to see you because no, it has it's been like, a long time. It has, and it's, you, she hasn't changed at all since nineteen seventy. Well, we're, we're looking forward to getting you that first record of hers. Well, we're right. looking forward to playing it. All right. <laughs> I just want to tell you, Tanya, how delighted I am had the chance to cut up with you just sit here and relax and talk about old times and about the stuff in the future and i'm very happy for you with your impending uh new baby Thank whether it's gonna be a boy or a girl isn't right? it it's gonna be a girl it's gonna be a girl and i'm naming her presley are you really yeah. that's her name so. that's wonderful after my one true love elvis so so uh, I haven't decided on a middle name yet, but I know it's Presley for sure, the first name. That's terrific. I wish you and the baby and the family all the very best. It's always so much fun to see you, Tanya, and always looking so beautiful Thank and happy. You. Thank you, Lee, and it's always great seeing you, and I hope to see you again real soon. Thank you. What an incredible person, Tanya Tucker. Not only a great entertainer, but a remarkable human being. Next week on Country Music Conversations, a special treat as we welcome Gary Morris to our podcast. Meanwhile, Lee Arnold reminding you to stay safe and keep it country.